Over the next few minutes, let's talk about how to get on the same page with an ex so you're both saying essentially the same thing. And welcome back to Sitting in a Car for another week. I'm Sarah Sproul and I sit in a car with you each week answering a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. So the answer to this question this week comes from the courage pillar inside the Evolve Family Method. And you might know by now that the courage pillar gives us the skills to speak up about complex stuff, build connection with our kids, take action and use everyday uh, situations and opportunities to have conversations. So what most people will do when they have um, this question about parenting with an ex is delay having conversations with their children because they're worried about the conflict. Uh, maybe uh, they might try and convince their ex of their own way of doing things by sending YouTube videos or uh, episodes of sitting in a car and they're uh, sort of pausing and waiting for there to be some sort of consensus between the two of them before they move forward with conversations like this. And I absolutely understand why we would do it like that, right? Because conflict is hard and conflict is not just hard, but conflict around things to do with sex and children, that is the ultimate difficulty. And, you know, if you're parenting with an ex, then chances are that there's conflict about, there has been conflict about other things as well. So it makes natural sense that we would be what's called conflict averse. We're like, if conflict is over that way, I'm going to walk the other way instead. And again, like with most things, um, that scenario that I painted there about wanting something for our child, but feeling stuck by the fact that there's, uh, that we're parenting with an ex is an example of courageous but tongue-tied parenting, that sense of feeling like all the desire to be there for our child and at the same time something is holding us back. And in this case, it's the presence of an ex who may not believe the same things you believe or understand the same information you understand and may have quite clear and strong ideas about the right way to have conversations about sensitive things, which is in maybe direct contrast with what you, your views are. I'm also thinking about how our culture approaches conflict. And oftentimes when there's conflict, there's this mentality that someone is right and someone is wrong, or that the only way to fix things is to sort of be on the same page. It's like, the solution is either this or that. And that sort of thinking can be the way we would get stuck about how to move forward, which is no fault of our own. We live in a culture that is seeped in this. It's either this or it's that. So I've learnt doing this for a number of years now that um, if a co-parenting couple or exes parenting kids uh, are in conflict about how to have conversations about sensitive stuff, that is a clear indicator of a courageous but tongue-tied parenting dynamic. The feelings that come for that from that are awkwardness, frustration, feeling of being stuck, uh, maybe a sense of anger that it isn't simpler, um, 
emotions directed at the ex, which is they are just so wrong. Why can't they see um, that this is the right way to go forward for our kids? It makes sense why we would feel like this were in this parenting dynamic. All of us wish for things to be easier. Like I'm just thinking in my life, um, you know, I'm married to someone who's Irish. Um, there are times when we were in conflicts and it came from like my Australian thinking versus his Irish thinking that I would just sometimes lie in bed going, screaming to myself like, why can't he just see that this is makes natural sense you know so and I'm smiling at that because I'm thinking back to it and, oh it takes so much energy so much energy those sort of conflicts anyway let's get on to the three different points to start thinking about how to um, ensure that a co-parenting situation like this that you can be on the same page when you have conversations about sensitive stuff point one we can't always create consistency between two households. It's sometimes just not possible. And by acknowledging that to be true, um, it can be a lot kinder, kinder for ourselves and kinder for our ex because we're not trying to create an artificial situation that doesn't exist. Um, I've learnt from the Radical Step Mum podcast, I think it is, Step Parenting podcast, Radical Step Mum podcast, about how there's these two different ways of parenting after separation. There is co-parenting and then there is parallel parenting. Co-parenting is, um, she describes it as being able to some, come to some sort of agreement and um, working together to make decisions and committing to do particular um, parenting in the same way in households. That isn't always possible, particularly if there's been high conflict um, breakups or there's a very clear difference in values between um, two sets of parents. So uh, parallel parenting is where we accept that, look, it wouldn't matter how hard we tried um, the other parent is not going to change their position on um, this part of parenting. I, I have a friend of mine who um, grew up in a separated household. Um, her mum was, was liberal and very open about having conversations about the body and sex and rights and all that sort of stuff. And her father was very traditional. And she tells the story of what that was like. She learned very quickly what the things she could say in one household versus the things that she couldn't say in the other household. And children get can get very good at that. They're, they're not silly. They know the life lesson is what happens in our house is different to what happens in other people's houses. And in fact, that life lesson we, can t we should be and can be teaching that to our children no matter whether we live in a, um, in a parenting dynamic where the two parents are separated and living in different homes. Um, that is absolutely a life lesson that children need to learn because they're very going to very quickly, and they probably know already, that everyone in the world doesn't think the same way we do. 
it's one of the building blocks of um, learning to be kind and compassionate in the whole world of diversity. And I'm just not talking about sexuality diversity. Uh, there is diversity to do with the way our brains work, diversity in religions, um, diversity in terms of values. And so this life lesson of what happens in our family doesn't necessarily happen um, the same in other houses is an across the board useful lesson to teach children. And um, it's no different when it comes to having conversations about sensitive things in our house. Point two, we choose what's right for us, even if other people don't agree. Think about all the times that you as an adult have chosen something that was right for you, even when someone else didn't agree. And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, anything to do with sex, but just general everyday thing. Like I was in a shop, well, God, because of COVID, haven't been in a shop for a long time, a clothes shop, a year and a half ago. And, um, shopping and trying on things and I was with my daughter and I put on a top and she went oh that looks really nice and I looked in the mirror and just went oh no it's just, I do not feel comfortable in this so I chose what was right for myself even in the face of someone thinking the opposite right and that was easy because their dynamic is like mother-daughter that's easy for a mother to be able to choose what's right for her, even in the face of her daughter saying something else. The roles were reversed, it might be more complicated because there's a power dynamic, right? Same thing with um, ex-partners or co-parents or parallel parents or wh whatever the dynamic is here, that there comes a point in our life where if we are very clear about what we know to be right for us, and I would suggest that maybe the realization that children need accurate information and they need an adult who will be there for them and model to them that they are able to come and talk about anything at all, I would suggest that that's, this, might, this discovery might be one of those things where you are willing to plant your flag in the sand and say, this is what I believe to be right. This is what I know is important for my child. And even if someone in my life is saying, no, that's not okay, I still stand by this decision. And I guess from a sex educator perspective, you have professionals all over the world who work in the same industry I do who will back you up on that, right? That the research is there to show that children need open, accurate, comfortable, ongoing conversations with adults who they trust and who care for them about things to do with body, sex and all those things, right? So I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying that it's just another opportunity to practice um, putting your needs on what you know to be right and true for you as an individual, but also for you and your child to stand firm in those things and to speak up for yourself. Point three, you can learn strategies to have difficult conversations. Now, this doesn't mean that you can learn a strategy to change a person's mind, though inside the Evolve School, we certainly learn um, different techniques to have conversations with people who don't believe what we believe. Um, but you can learn a, 
a script. Now, it's not a word for word script, but it's like a general guideline for if you want to have a conversation about something difficult with someone who you are pretty convinced is going to find the conversation um, intolerable, then here are the strategies you can use. So um, it starts off with getting clear about what you want. And I go into a lot more detail on this in, um, there's a bonus called the family cringe crusher method inside the Evolve School. And it will clearly outline all these steps for you with um, all the detail about how to go about it and what to say and the research backing it up. But um, you get clear on what you want to say. So that might mean some journaling or some meditation or a deep conversation with a trusted guide or friend and then the conversation will you need to warn the person that you're going to have a conversation that might be awkward because no one responds well absolutely no one responds well to um, an idea of being sort of just put to them without some preparation and in fact as an aside this is a parenting technique I have well a communication technique I've taught my children I say to them look if you need something from me, if you just come up to me and just say, I want to stay out all night by the canal with my friends, I am going to respond badly to that because I'm just going to be, what, like what, what? But if you say to me, mum, I need to talk about something that you're going to find really difficult and um, what I'm afraid might happen is you are just going to be angry and upset at how, what I want to do with my life. Um, but what I really hope will happen is that we can both be patient with each other and um, you will hear what I'm talking about and what I'm hoping for in my friendship group and we will be able to respectively talk about the options. Okay, now they don't always say it exactly like that but those are the general gist and essentially what I've done is just followed the formula for um, complex and difficult surprising conversations. I've prepared the person in advance Mum, I need to talk to you about something that's going to be hard. I've said what I'm afraid of, which is I'm worried that you're going to get upset and whatever. I've said what I hope for. What I hope will happen is a respectful conversation. And um, here's what I need to talk about and then say the actual thing. Now, I have just given you a very complex formula in a minute and a half. So don't beat yourself up if you've written notes sort of really fast on the back of a post-it note and when this podcast ends you're not exactly sure how to do it because these skills take time and it is hugely um, unkind to expect ourselves to take a one minute instruction from a podcast and to be able to apply it to a hugely complex life situation so be kind to yourself and um, gentle and slowly start building these techniques over time and know that you're not on your own with how hard this is. There are parents all over the world with this similar difficulty and even parents who are parenting together have this same complex situation of making decisions about their parenting that the world or, or people they, they value their opinion of don't agree with. And so we're we're all in the same boat and it demands of us to take courageous action if we want to build our evolved communicating family and that's the family that um, is able to listen to each other. So this relationship we have with our children that we can really 
show them that we're hearing them and we're listening to them and they know that they can come to us with complex, important conversations or questions. That when you think about that's where we're going, some of the pain and suffering and crisis and conflict that we have to go through to get to that, while it might not feel easy, it definitely feels worthwhile, right? Let's stay focused on what we want for the long term for our children and and focusing on that can make these difficult conversations and decisions that we have to make just a little bit easier. So we've just talked about three different ways to think about this whole idea of parenting with an ex, particularly around conversations about sensitive stuff. So you have some ideas now of what you can do, but... Keep in mind that once you decide that it's important and you manage to have a conversation with your ex, then you need to work out, well, what are all the conversations I could possibly have? And um, that's where getting some additional support comes in handy. And um, you know by now, I talk about it all the time that the Evolved Family Method has a pillar in it called the Growth Pillar. Uh, which has pyramids of the nine different, I was going to put up 10 fingers, but nine different areas of conversation that we can talk about with children of all different ages. I call them pyramids because they use this strategy that I talk about all the time, which is layering on conversations, layering on topics. We lay very basic sort of foundational conversations um, when our children are young and slowly grow in complexity day after day, month after month, year after year. And so um, those are hugely helpful when it comes to having conversations about complex stuff with the children in our care. And that's sitting in the car for another week where I've answered a question to help you raise your confident and caring, gorgeous, lovely person who respects themselves and the people around them. Bye for now. Over the next few minutes, let's talk about um, how... Oh dear, I got it wrong. So tired.